0: This is Metal Mike and on this episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, we talk to Johnny D, a rock and drummer who's been on the long road for many years with Doro and Britney Fox. We go into great detail of the rise and fall of Britney Fox and where his past bandmates are now. Check it out. Johnny, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How's it going, man?
1: Going great. How's it going with you?
0: Perfect. Perfect. So yeah, man. Nice to thanks for having me. Oh yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for being on. So, what is going on in the world of Johnny D heading into 2020?
1: Uh, well, I'm primarily doing some dad time while I'm off from touring and stuff, which has been pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, so I have a break until February, and then stuff with Doro starts up again. Uh, we're doing the Monsters of Rock cruise, which is the 10th anniversary. So it's a pretty big one. It's sold out and it's like a lineup, you know, for the ages, it's pretty great. And, uh, we've done a few already and that's always just a fantastic time. Really fun stuff to, you know, especially to play with all those other bands and, uh, relive a little of the glory days you know and um to get away from the cold and <laughs> being you know down in florida or the caribbean for a week or two is always cool as well yeah and then uh basically firing up you know touring again dora's got a new record out actually it's been out quite a while already uh, and um yeah we usually through a cycle you know for a year or so to uh, promote that and uh, we've got a lot of festivals coming up and a small tour another part of our headline tour in April uh, the end of March April over here in Europe and um, yeah we'll continue with some festivals we actually just got confirmed for the M3 festival which is in Maryland in May which is a good one for us because we've never done that before and we don't really typically play festivals in America, so that's something to look forward to. And um, yeah, some scattered shows in the States, I hear, and then, of course, all around, uh, hopefully, Australia's in the works and South America and the typical uh, European festivals that we do um, some stuff in Spain and uh, yeah
0: all over the place so
1: yeah back to uh, back to touring in 2020 so far
0: that sounds pretty awesome Um, so this has been a good long time gig for you how did it come about you getting into Doro
1: yeah it's been uh, I'm into my 26th year now and it's like unbelievable to even think about it just sort of took on a life of its own and keeps rolling on, which is really cool because at the time, uh, just before I got into this band, it was pretty much like what the hell is going to happen now? It was at the end of, uh, you know, end of the whole Britney Fox uh, thing and we had kind of come to a point where we didn't even know what to do anymore. You know, we tried touring clubs and it was just really hard for a band to come, you know, so fast into like a big, uh, you know, arena kind of lifestyle and, and audience wise. And then to kind of, you know, go through all the stuff that we did and then to come down to clubs where well, basically, you know, just decided to take a break. So at that time, I, uh, was at home in Pennsylvania. In Philly, and um, a friend of mine who had actually gotten me another gig in my career, probably the first real uh, professional gig that I had, which was in Wasted, the band from the UK, with uh, former UFO members. My friend Jimmy Dorella, who I've been friends with for forever, um, was uh, had auditioned for Doro. She'd come over to uh, New York and New Jersey because. Nick Douglas the bassist is from the area and he said you know we can put a band together for the tour in my area so come down to Jersey and we'll do some auditions so long story short a bunch of my friends got in the band before I did and they had picked another drummer and uh did some uh some gigs in Germany and then things didn't work out uh Chris Branco didn't feel comfortable in, you know, touring Europe at that point, or whatever. I don't know exactly what the the reason was, but all of a sudden, I got a call from my friend Jim, and he said, you know, we need a drummer, and I told Doro about you, and she remembers you from the MTV stuff and Britney Fox, and definitely wants to check you out. So, her and her manager flew uh, from Germany to Philly and we did, a, because at that time there was, uh let's see, four Americans in the band, plus Doro, so she flew over, the band got together at a rehearsal place in Philly, and we just went through a bunch of tunes, and it sounded good, and it was, you know, definitely a vibe, because, I mean, most of these guys were, I didn't know Joe Taylor and Nick very well at that time, but we were all from the same area, Jersey, and Philly and uh, just kind of a vibe happened and Doro really was digging it so you know next thing you know I'm in Germany starting a tour with the Doro band and this is in 93 and about I don't know five or six gigs into the tour we cut a live album uh, called Doro Live and then uh, finished that tour and just you know the year started to kind of roll like i said on on their own and uh here we are later it's uh 26 years i've been in and out of you know in and out of her band spending a lot of time in germany in the first years and then uh as the 90s closed and we got closer to the 2000s we started to really spread out and play a lot of places even she hadn't been to before never been to japan before that uh we Started going to Russia, uh, South America, a lot of countries in Europe that we didn't tour in the beginning of Doro. uh, And yeah, it just started to really happen. And I think uh, the classic rock metal kind of thing started to come around again. But I did notice when I first came over here that the, that, the 90s music hadn't affected metal and rock in Europe and Germany particularly as much as it did in the States. You know, this is like a, a tsunami hit in America. And then all the, you know, the eighties bands got wiped out, didn't really have anywhere to go. And over here, I think the bands that came over here kind of, uh, you know, made their careers last a little longer, or they uh, were able to come over here and do stuff until they were able to, you know, come around into playing in america again so it was it was a cool gig to get at that time and i never thought it would last this long but uh it's it's been it's been quite a ride
0: so if somebody told you 30 years ago that you'd be living in germany playing with doro would you ever believed it
1: I don't think so. I think, you know, at that point, I didn't even think Britney Fox would end as quick as it did. So, I mean, I wasn't ever, you know, looking down the road at, uh, as a rock musician, somebody that just kind of like got into it and really things started to pick up sort of on their own. It was never like a predetermined thing. You know, we all back then were taking big chances Everybody wanted to make it, and just get you know, get getting signed was like the big deal. So, you know, once you get a record deal, then you try to get to your next level of you know accomplishments, and and so I didn't even think you know, I mean the the Britney Fox breakup was a big shocker to me, and I didn't all of a sudden I thought like, okay, great, now what the hell do I do? You know, so um knowing that you know, I would be in Doro 30 years later. I would never have thought that. I don't think so.
0: So, you know, I'm a big Britney Fox fan. I believe probably the majority of my followers and and everything enjoy Britney Fox quite a bit too. So why don't we go back in time a little bit. We'll go back to 1988. You guys break out with this amazing album. You got two big MTV hits. You got to look back at that time uh, pretty fondly, right?
1: yeah it was awesome i mean especially uh, for me i jumped into the band uh, kind of a set of unfortunate circumstances i mean the the band uh, lost the drummer to a car accident at a really bad time they had just um, showcased for a label and they had a lot of interest going on uh, i was Touring with Wasted at the time, um, I was kind of out of the loop, really, of the local scene. But I knew, you know, obviously Cinderella had come out of, uh, of Philly and stuff. But uh, so um, when Tony Destra, the original drummer, died, uh, uh, Michael Kelly Smith got in touch with me and asked me if I wanted to join at that point which was in probably like late 86, 87, I think 87. And, uh, I said, yeah, I'm like, you know, it's great that you guys are doing good, but I'm still committed to this band and we're on tour and blah, blah, blah. So long story short, they got someone else. And later down the road, when they finally got signed to Columbia, uh, they wanted to make a change, uh, and and basically wanted a, a younger drummer and a lot of you know a lot of bands were having to go through changes like that because of label pressure and even cinderella the whole reason why britney fox even existed was because cinderella went through the same uh whatever you want to call it uh, with their label saying that, you know, these two guys got to go. They don't have the right look or whatever it was, their ages or, you know, whatever. I mean, at that time, that was the way it was going. And uh, so Michael and Tony got fired from Cinderella. And here they started Britain Fox with Dean. Every, you know, fans probably know the story already. So I got in through that whole thing, got a call from Michael again and, uh, you know, Said, hey you got another shot and getting in here we got a deal with Columbia we're going to do a record and I was like well at this point definitely I got to go for it so uh and I did and the next thing you know it was rolling you know like a steamroller we did the first album in like you know a short amount of time and then we put it out got on MTV got a buzz going you know got in the top 10 every day and started getting good tour offers and we went out with poison which was a thrill at that time just you know a great tour for for us to be on and just all the all the excitement that was happening at that time we got to experience so that was a great time for sure with the first album coming out going gold and having so many fans be into it and to play some great shows in arenas all across America and yeah, definitely good times.
0: You know, the album has a great sound too. You can go back and listen to it. It's not overproduced. It's got a lot of balls, you know, it's just a great sounding album.
1: Yeah, it's good that, uh, you know, we didn't have that much of a budget to really go overboard. So we, you know, we kept it, kept it as, uh, you know as as raw as it could be i think um the one good thing about britney was the fact that you know they pretty much had their shit together if you will when it comes to songs and image and everything like that it was already pre-packaged before the label could get in there and screw anything up so you know a lot of bands would get signed and then it all of a sudden was like oh we don't hear the right songs you need to write songs with this one and that one and change your image and do all these things that by the time their records came out they didn't even end up being the same band that they started out as it's for britney fox it was totally weren't many changes that even a producer could do with us i mean the songs were what they were simple you know kick-ass anthems and just like record the band make them sound good and put it out and that's what we did we even had a producer that really wasn't uh wasn't like up there in the top 10 names of of 80s rock producers we took a chance with this guy who had been around done a lot of stuff but nothing like uh what we were competing with so luckily we got um got the band recorded came in on our budget our low budget and um yeah, and put it out and people dug it. And I think that, um, com, combined with the visual image, you know, we really had a little, little niche of our own that we could, you know, sneak in there and not be, you know, sort of like left, left behind because we had something just a tiny bit different. And, um, yeah, so. It's good that you think the record's still listenable to this day. That's that's cool to hear.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the image. And when you go back and you look at the image, man, it's it's very interesting because uh, it's almost like you guys got, like, 1700s colonial vibe going on or or pirate shirts, you know what I mean? It's it's a pretty wild image.
1: Frilly shirts. Well, that all came from Dean. Uh, He, you know, dreamt the whole thing up years before and um, basically – Um, apparently found a girl named Brittany Fox in his family tree or his ancestry, and he thought, oh, it's a catchy name. So took the the time period and the name, you know, misspelled it a bit and turned it into uh, frilly outfits and, and big hair, you know? So I think at that time, bands needed just something a little bit different than the other bands just to set themselves apart enough to you know to get some people talking and listening so it definitely achieved that but it you know it also bit us in the ass a lot as well so but that's just the the chance that you got to take i think
0: you know what's funny is is with Britney Fox and actually with a lot of the other bands even more. You you would look at the cover right of the album and you'd look at the video and and, and a lot of times the bands were super glammed up at that point. But then the band would be out yeah. on the road right and you and it really didn't look like that. So was a lot of pressure coming from labels uh, for a lot of the bands?
1: Um, I think the pressure was just um, on you know, on the bands themselves to, like I said before, to get something that was going to make them stick out a bit or to even to be, um, to compete with, with what was going on. I mean, everybody was trying to outdo each other at some point, you know, how big can your fucking hair be? I mean, <laughs> you can't, you know, really go much further than, uh, than we did. So, um, you know, uh, is it a different look in the way of clothing or, you know, are you carrying a chainsaw on stage or are you just lighting yourself on fire? I mean, what's it going to be? And for us, it was, you know, it was the, the ruffled shirts and the, you know, the, the songs and just, you know, good positive message music and, uh, Yeah, I don't know. Other bands probably didn't really, uh, maybe not, didn't want to be. I think there was probably, yes, some label pressure as well because you even had people like Ozzy Osbourne with his hair teased and, you know, wearing, you know, totally glammed out clothing and stuff like that. So there was a sense of, okay, this is what's hot right now. We got to do that. So you had bands that even had no desire or business to glam themselves up doing it because that's what you needed to do, you know, Pantera, uh, you know, heavier bands, all looking, you know, um, glammed out or whatever. And uh, then not really, you know, a couple of years later saying that really wasn't us or whatever. I mean, you kind of try to follow what, You know what you can to get your yourself recognized and fortunately at that time for us you know we fit right in we weren't really kind of faking it we were just doing what what the band was kind of created to do
0: so let's go to boys and heat uh how do you look back at that album i'll I'll tell you i I think it's my favorite uh probably not Mm -hmm. a lot of fans would say that but that's my favorite one so What do you
1: think? A lot of people love that record. Um, For me, it was a time of... um, It was cool for me because we we started doing some newer songs and uh, I could get creatively involved a little bit more. The first album was all pretty much, uh, you know, those songs had been honed down in the clubs and they were written quite a few years before. And second albums are always a good time of like, you know... There's a lot of hope for the band, even though mm, looking back on it from my perspective, I think uh, the first album went gold, sold 500,000 copies in America, and then went up to about 800,000. So we were just shy of platinum when CBS said, you know, okay, it's time to come off the road and do another record. And we were like, what are you talking about? We could put out one more single and probably get a platinum album. And, you know, so those those types of things started to really, you know, grind everybody's spirit down a little bit, because here you are so close to a goal, and then your label tells you, okay, you know, reel it back in, we need more product, we need to get back in the studio, so we're like, okay, we definitely have songs. And Dean was writing all the time on the road, and uh, had a, you know, pretty much a a whole bunch of stuff that we could choose from, but we felt that we were going at it a little bit too soon. But anyway, we did what we had to do again. And uh, we're very, very well prepared to make that record. And uh, we had rehearsed the songs. We pretty much picked most of them that we wanted to do. It was pretty obvious which songs were sticking out. We got a producer. Neil Kernan, who got involved and he, you know, helped us hone everything in. He got the sounds dialed to a point where, you know, we hadn't had the time or the budget on the first album. Um, But in doing so, I think we we probably went a little bit too overboard. I think we kind of lost a little bit of the rawness. Um, Some people say overproduced a little bit drum sounds were a little bit fake kind of sounding. And, uh, I thought that there was a couple too many songs on that record. I think we could have really like saved a few and really made it, you know, made it stick. But at that time we were having a lot of discussions all of a sudden about direction and, you know, which songs and what to wear and all this kind of stuff. So, um, the record came out good. And some people, like you said, think it's their fave and that's cool. Cause there's a lot of great tunes on there. And, uh, but for me, it was um, sort of the beginning of the end. Everything was kind of falling apart within the band uh, where the momentum of the first album was able to carry us through any personal bullshit or any kind of musical stuff. It was obvious what we were playing, and what the image was and all that but when we had some success now and everybody started to second guess everything mainly dean he started to change his mind like immediately so all of a sudden he's writing like you know rolling stones kind of songs and the black crows were hot so he was like totally into you know being more of a musician yeah you know like we didn't We weren't respected enough, so it was like all of a sudden we have to change and try to be, like, you know, critically acclaimed or something like that. Where it was like for the rest of the band, we were like, screw that, you know, we just do what we do. We obviously have a following for a reason. People like what we do, so let's just keep doing what we're doing. Uh, So, yeah, Boys and Heat for me, don't like the title, don't like the album cover. Uh, We had a. you know, it's like that was the bit of cheese that we kind of tried to avoid with all the, um, you know, the wacky spellings of names and, you know, just the, the kind of overly, um, I don't know, glammy kind of things like that. You know, we just wanted to be a straight up rock band, but, uh, so, we, you know, we did that record and then all of a sudden it was like, shit, what happened? I mean, nobody was really reacting to it like the first one. I mean, we had um, done some videos and, you know, MTV started changing their format and their uh, wishes for what bands were presenting to them. So, you know, we did uh, Standing in the Shadows, which barely got even anywhere and... um And then by the time we did dream on, we were making like a short movie in black and white. It was like, what the hell is going on? So that was a real weird time for not only for Britney Fox, but for everybody that was, uh, playing that style of music. All of a sudden, everybody started to kind of like, you know, backpedal a bit and they're like, shit, what do we do now? You know? So yeah, kind of weird, but, uh, obviously cool because fans dug it but uh you know the majority that record didn't sell nearly as much as the first one so something was going on and i think a lot of it was internal and some of the external stuff we couldn't really do anything about
0: there's one song that i think could have been a huge hit for you guys on that one and that's angel in my heart
1: Mm. yep Um, I guess, yeah, I mean, we didn't even get a chance to get deep into picking singles or anything like that. I mean, uh, I thought there was a lot of commercial good radio tunes on that album and even Dream On didn't get its full uh, run because we, at that point, were melting down and Dean I think quit the band while Dream On was still at radio and started to do quite well. We were on a club tour um, and uh, yeah, so basically that album never got a, a real shot because the band just couldn't keep them themselves, you know, in line.
0: So let's talk about Dean leaving. So was that it? He wanted to do a different kind of musical direction and, and he was out or how did that all go down?
1: Well, it was a, a gradual thing that, you know, there was always, from the beginning, you know, it's kind of the, I guess, the cliche story of bands who um, always, you know, start out as a brotherhood, as a gang, as a team, you know, everybody wants the same goal to make it, and then, you know, but there's always one guy or two that, you know, are the, the creative People in the band as far as like writing the songs or even bringing, you know, I mean, Dean would write most of the stuff and collaborate very little with anybody else. But there were a few, you know, the band had a sound and a style which put the, I think the final stamp on the songs themselves. You know, you can't deny the players and the people's personalities in a band when you have a sound that's just unique or whatever. So, um, and then when the band gets some success, obviously the person that, you know, has done the writing work obviously is like, okay, well now I'm at the head of the the class or whatever. And, you know, there was always this weird vibe, with Dean that he, uh, you know, he wanted to, it was all about me, 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 and not about the band as much. And, um, and that was something we tried to keep together, you know, for a long time. And then just when the ropes came off, and we had that success with the first album, then it was really hard to kind of keep control of it. And then when the second album really wasn't doing very well, everybody started really panicking. And that's when Dean was showing his discontent and his ego from people telling him that, you know, basically you could do this by yourself anyway. You don't need to, you know, to have a band or to really to split everything with, with other people equally or whatever it happens to be, even though he got all of his credit writing credits and royalties were all wasn't like we were trying to get his money or anything, but Um, I think he just panicked, like I said, because of the lack of respect that the band got. We weren't like critical darlings or critically acclaimed. We were just basically a good band that had success and had fans that really dug what we were doing. Sort of like Kiss. That was what we were kind of going for. Uh, Kiss was never, you know... Uh, written up great in Rolling Stone or any of the big magazines but they just basically said fuck it and kept doing exactly what they were doing because they had fans who were going crazy for it and loved it so we were trying to keep that going but uh, you know Dean had other visions in mind and he basically wanted to be a real band whether you know whatever that means I don't know (laughs) Uh, so he started writing these songs that we were like, these just don't say Britney Fox to to us, you know. So it was constantly, there was some friction there. So, uh, you know, that over time, over, you know, the lack of the record doing well, it all started to go downhill. And by the time we, you know, like I said, we're into this club tour, we were supposed to go out with Kiss on boys and heat tour we had toured europe with alice cooper and did really well for the first time over there and uh the kiss tour was postponed so by the time we came to america we lost that tour we had to go out and headline clubs and i think that hurt the band hurt everybody's um you know spirit and momentum a bit so yeah dean just like flipped out one day had a a whole other band hired and all the songs written before he even said, screw it, I'm out of here. So we were all shocked. But in a way, we weren't because we just were tired of it. You know, we were Mm -hmm. tired of the arguments and the, you know, disagreements on what we should do, you know, to keep the band close to what we began as. I mean, this is all happening in the span of like a year or so. So it was like, To create a major change on a second album after you had such a good first album with this style and this sound and this look just seemed ridiculous to the rest of the band. But to him, he wanted to, you know, go back to normal clothing and just like kind of give up on everything. So it'd be like if Kiss went unmasked after their first album, you know, (laughs) not to compare us to Kiss, because obviously we were nowhere as big, but that was our feeling.
0: You know, it's funny when you mentioned Kiss. You know, and I never noticed this as a kid. Um, I always thought you know Michael Kelly Smith was kind of just like all the other players. But man, as an adult, when I kept revisiting that album, I'm like, man, this guy likes Ace Frehley. I mean, I mean, he's he's influenced by Ace Frehley.
1: Oh, absolutely! Michael's a huge fan of of music. The guy's record collection is like unbelievable, and he turned me on to so many bands and. There were a lot of bands that we were into as well that were um, you know favorites of of a lot of us, like UFO and Sweet and Slade and Kiss and Angel and all these bands from the seventies and Michael's style just, you know, reflected all of that. Very melodic, great parts, you know, great sounds, Les Paul, Marshall's tone out the ass, you know, and uh, probably didn't get as much credit as he deserved. But uh, yeah, those solos and the parts that he would come up with were always really um, very melodic and it would stick in your head. I mean, they just, uh, nothing overdone, just everything where it belongs. And uh, that was stuff from the 70s that that I kind of miss is those, those types of guitar players and those types of guitar uh parts and songs
0: so i kind of thought with a lot of people what, dean's out he's the main songwriter britney fox is done but you guys weren't done you got tommy paris and bite down hard is a freaking kick-ass album but just probably poorly timed right
1: yeah i mean uh with that record we had a lot to prove but we knew you know the three of us knew what we had done with the other records. I mean, it was never, you know, just the guy hiring musicians and then making a record. I mean, like I explained earlier with the whole sound and, and feel of a band, it's like any of your favorite bands. When one guy leaves, if he was a key part you know something's a little off obviously there's still going to be great music but sometimes just uh, live or or on record something's not the same and that's we all grew up as absolute maniacs of of bands with lineups that you sat and read the record sleeve for like you know days and weeks on your bed just looking at pictures because there was no internet or videos you know so uh, to us you know Britney Fox was, was a four piece each guy had a role and a, and a thing you know even if you want to go as far back as the Beatles that was what we were uh, aiming for so for Dean to leave the band and say that basically we were all a bunch of dead weight was really uh, grating on our nerves you know because we knew we'd done much more everybody had musical ideas I mean you know, Billy stepped it up. Michael had a lot of great riffs, and um, and Tommy, of course, just kicked ass. You know, with his uh, writing and his what he brought to the band vocally, and even as a guitar player. So we, you know, we just went in and did what we thought we should have done uh, with the, you know, with Boys and Heat or whatever, or with the following up a Britney Fox album as a heavier version of Britney Fox, you know? So it was 90 something by that point. And obviously, you know, we couldn't come out with the, with the glam image anymore, but we tried to, you know, do the best we could musically and see what would happen, you know, just throw it out there because that's what we, we needed to make that record just to, for ourselves, if no one else. But It was just, um, you know, fuck it all. Let's just go out and do, you know, do what we think we should do and, um, and keep it within our, you know, within our reins of what this band should be to our fans.
0: So I think it's great that, you know, you're still out there doing it. You'll talk about Britney Fox, but a lot of your bandmates, past bandmates, they're just incognito, um. Where are some of these guys? Do you know? Where, where? Where is Dizzy Dean? Is he done?
1: Um. Well, if you talk to him, he's not done. But, you know, uh, for me, you know, uh, you're only as, as present as your, your last record or whatever. I mean, the guy hasn't done anything as far as uh, touring or anything. So nobody really knows what he's doing. Um, probably wouldn't, say that he's done with music i'm sure he's still writing and he's been writing songs for you know since the entire time that he left britney fox but nobody's ever heard them so to me what's the point if you're a musician and you want to write music you know get out i mean get a hat and go sit on the fucking street corner <laughs> and just like get some some response for your music. I mean, that's why we all started to get out and play in front of people, you know, and that's something I got sort of addicted to. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine not doing it, you know, something I've done my whole life. I don't even see a day when I would want to stop. But yeah, Dean's hiding out somewhere. I don't know why, but he shut down all of his social media and Uh, not really ever a a people person so you know social media to him probably wasn't very comfortable because you get you know critique back in like a few seconds and uh, some people don't like to be critiqued you know other people feed off of it or they take it or they just blow it off completely but you know you got to be open for that I mean there's that's just the way it is but uh and michael the same he disappeared i haven't talked to him for years now and billy uh we had done a a quick kind of reunion type thing the best thing that we could do back in 2016 was to try and get tommy and myself and billy and we got another guitar player because michael had basically told us you know years before uh, when we put out the Long Way to Live album, uh, that was like 2000, I believe, or, or 01, that he didn't wor- really want to tour anymore. You know, he was fine with doing records or writing or whatever, but he didn't want to tour because he had a built up a business of guitar lessons and teaching, and every time he would go away, he would kind of his business would kind of fall. So, you know, that was fine. He was cool with us doing it with another guitar player. But in 07, I think Billy went out and did uh, a real shitty thing and went out and just took the name and did uh, did his own version of the band, which was not cool with anybody. And I think that really hurt Mike. And um, it sucked for, for all of us. But you know, um, when we, uh, I'm always kind of forgive for people you know I just want to really go out and play the music for the people that want to hear it so you know and like I said in 2016 we got together again and we started to do some gigs we had the plans to do another record and just to keep Britney alive and for the fans you know because a lot of people still want to hear it they still play it on you know on Sirius XM And all kinds of other podcasts and and radio shows like yours, you know, people just keep it alive in that sense. And, uh, but, uh, that wasn't meant to be because we just, all this old shit started to come up again and nobody could really work with each other. So I think we wrote like one or two songs and did about five or six or ten really cool gigs. We did the Monsters of Rock cruise and a bunch of other stuff. And it was really starting to roll. We had some good momentum, but we just couldn't keep it together personally, which was something that's haunted this band from day one. So um, it's a shame, but uh, that's kind of where we're at now. Three guys that can't get along or bury shit from the past just to get on with it. You know, we're like in our 50s now. So like, what the hell? Um, to go out and make music or to play music you wrote 30 years ago to me was is just a fucking blast, you know, but obviously nobody else sees it that way, so they don't want to deal with each other, and yeah, that's kind of where we are. It's a bummer.
0: Yeah, and Tommy Paris, he really has no interest in Brittany Fox anymore either, does he?
1: Um, I don't know if it's... I mean, I don't think he has any interest in working with Billy Childs anymore, but uh, I don't know... Um, what his feelings are if he would do it again. I think he'd probably do it if if the, you know, everybody just got along and had fun. I mean, that's all we really wanna do, you know? For me, that's all I wanna do. I just wanna have fun playing music and, uh, and seeing people. I mean, it's a blast to hear people still digging the band and when I go out on tour with Doro, I sign Brittany Fox stuff all the time. And people <laughs> always ask me what happened or why can't you guys come on tour in Europe and stuff. And it's just like, what can I say more than, you know, the three other guys or four other guys, depending on which lineup you're talking about, just can't fucking work together or get along. And it's really shitty. Cause I'll, I'll, bury any personal shit just to make some music and go out and play
0: yeah it's a shame because you talked about the monsters of rock cruise i mean so many of these guys are back together i mean bands that haven't been played in you know 10 15 years are getting back together and they're on this cruise and it's a shame because britney was bigger than a lot of these guys and and it's just right. not there and it's, it's a real letdown for the fans
1: Absolutely. I think so, too. It's a letdown for me as well, as much as the people that, you know, still like the band and would like to hear them or see them live. Um, And yeah, we were, you know, we were in there. We had we had our share of of success and uh, we're in a lot of people's good memories of of that time, you know, I mean, there's bands that I love from the 70s that basically like Angel, for example, I saw them a couple times in their prime. And they're one of my favorite bands ever, you know, and they're not such a big band, where most people really would would say that or they do a tour, they don't, they can't play arenas or something like that. Like, uh, Def Leppard would, but they're a great band, and, you know, time and the business weren't as fortunate for them, you know? I mean, they started out on Kiss's label. There's stories, you know, out the ass of of bands and their situations and their rises and and, um, fallings, and um, it's really a shame, you know, because some bands just don't exist because they couldn't get along with each other, you know, and I think that's so shitty, and I mean, I mean you know, uh, just really, you're making music, you're getting paid a little bit of money, and you're having a great time, there's really nothing to not get along about, but especially now, because it, all that it is is to go out and play gigs, you could play all your old music and, and survive off of that alone, not even have to in a room very long with each other and and collaborate on new stuff because then we get into the whole other problem of who's going to buy it who's going to listen to it or you know are you going to get paid for it Um, but yeah as far as a live band Britney Fox should be out there doing it
0: it's funny you mentioned Angel because I really love Angel too and uh, did you have you heard any of the new album that uh, Frank and Punky did
1: I have not heard the new one. I, last thing I heard was both of their solo albums, and uh, I didn't hear the new one yet. I don't know why. I probably, I shouldn't be this shallow, but because Barry Brandt isn't on it, <laughs> um, I just really, you know, that guy is definitely in my top 10 drummers of all time. And because of that fact, I probably didn't jump out and listen to it as quick as I would have had he played on it. but. I'm sure I'll give it a, a spin one of these days. I think I'm so busy with my little dude here that I can't even <laughs> can't even sit down and listen to a full song, let alone a whole record. But yeah, it's all
0: good. But you know, I can tell you I'm I'm a very critical person, but man, that album won me over. I love it.
1: Which one? The new one? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yep. Okay, I will have to check it out
0: it sounds like there are songs from the 70s that somehow resurfaced i don't know if, if that's the case but it, i mean you're you're gonna go through uh the whole you know all, all the different albums that they've done you can hear songs that reflect those albums it, it's killer hmm.
1: that's great i know frank still stinks, sings his ass off and from the videos i've seen punky's playing good too but, uh, yeah, with Brittany during that 2016 17 period, we actually, uh, Tommy lives in Vegas and so does Frank Domino. And, uh, I told Tommy, you better, I think I turned him on to Angel originally when he was in the band. He was freaking out when he heard them and he's now a big fan. And, uh, I said, you, if you know Frank at all, you better call him up and get his ass out to our gig. To to do an angel song and we did and that was a blast man what'd you play walked into the rehearsal um oh jesus man something off the of sinful now i can't even remember waited a long time
0: oh great album great album
1: yeah killer and uh he walked into the rehearsal room with a road case and opened it up and his white mic stand was in there and it was just like oh, this is fucking awesome man so cool so that was a that was a thrill to play an angel tune with with Frank singing.
0: So last question and we'll wrap up. Money's on the table. Reunion tour. All the original guys plus Tommy Paris. Are you in?
1: For sure. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man, to do both guys like that. That's a cool idea. Yeah, I'm probably the only one that uh, <laughs> thinks it's a great idea though, which is really shitty. But uh, yeah, if you talk to anybody else, you can you can uh, you know throw that on the table.
0: Well, because not only do I, you know, I'm also I'm '80s glam metal on Twitter, but I'm also the '80s glam metal detective. So I'm always digging. I'm trying to find some of those dudes, man. I'm trying to find Michael Kelly Smith. I'm trying to find Dean Davidson. So if they're listening. Hook me up. <laughs> Email me at, through Twitter. Yeah, through yeah. yeah. To <laughs> All right, man. Hey, <laughs> thanks so much for your time. This was a great conversation. I'm so glad that you're still awesome. talking, Brittany, keeping it alive. And you know what? And you saw what happens. You know, if I send a tweet or anybody sends a tweet about um, Brittany Fox, people go ape shit over it. So it, it's still out there. People love it.
1: Yeah, man. Like I said before, it's a part of our, you know, our youth or whatever or. You know, there's bands that I'm fans. I'm a fan of uh, that I remember fondly and would love to, you know, relive. And that's what Britney Fox is to a lot of people. And I appreciate that. I respect that. And I really would like to, you know, to honor that. But uh, obviously, I can't do it by myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> but cool. Appreciate your time too. And uh, yeah, say hi to all your followers for me. And thanks for the time.
0: Will do, man. Have a great year. You too. Being a huge Britney Fox fan, that was just awesome. Let's hope the guys can settle their differences and rock and roll again. Don't forget to subscribe and continue the conversation on Twitter at 80sGlamMetal1. Rock on.